0: Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker, a good friend of ours, and I'm Bob McGregor. This is Thinking About It. If you're new to our podcast, uh, welcome. Uh, Dr. Dave, you're teaching, a course, an Old Testament survey introduction. People are loving it here at Grandview. Um, A lot of questions surrounding the Old Testament. Why bother is one of them. We have a new one. What is a testament anyway, or what is a covenant anyway, Mm -hmm. and why couldn't God have just continue to do whatever it is he was doing in the old, why is there a need for a new one? And what's God thinking if what he creates gets old? Mm-hmm. Why would God do something that has built in obsolescence? Mm-hmm. So um, how does a Christian th- think biblically and gratefully about the, uh, the covenants as they are given to us by God? And why would we get excited about the Old Testament, and you've given your life to this, so you're a good one to ask.
1: Yeah, um, and I remember when I was in seminary, we had, a, we had actually had a uh, graduate seminar on this, and the question was, what's new about the New Covenant? And the answer was basically, absolutely nothing. But there is something significant about the New Covenant, but it's wrapped around, and you and I were chatting just before the podcast, and you asked me, "What what is the major, what, how do you distinguish them? And I just said one word, Jesus. hmm as trivial as that sounds, that is the reality. And um, so God has worked, been working out his plan of redemption since the fall, right? And he established some kind of relationship with Adam and Eve, whether it was a covenant, there's some kind of relationship. Then he moves through history with a series of covenants that are all building on each other. It's not that they're independent, moving His horizontally, uh, independently of each other, but they're actually moving vertically and they even right now i've got my hands in kind of a v upside down v and how they build kind of as a series of roofs on top of each other and how each one adds to the whole relationship as god is building his relationship through these covenants that is actually a kind of a single mm-hmm ongoing continuous relationship from Adam to Noah to the Abrahamic covenant to the Mosaic covenant to the Davidic covenant and ultimately to Jeremiah and the new covenant and he talks about there's a new covenant and it's going to be a covenant that is on your hearts and not in carved in stone and that kind of thing and so as, as history progressed and then Jesus appeared on the scene he walks into the temple. Calls it his own, his father's house. He owns it, mm-hmm. and turns over the tables because they're messing the thing up. So he kind of rips the place apart, and then proceeds to the Mount of Olives, where the disciples say, "Look how beautiful the temple is! It took forty years for Herod to do all this, and and it was gorgeous, and it had been added to from the measly temple that they built under Nehemiah and Ezra to four hundred years later, this massive thing." And Jesus kind of, uh, you can on, almost hear the pause. He sort of pauses. They're looking at him, and he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And you can just see the disciples thunder, thunderstruck. What do you mean? It took 40 years to build this place. And he was speaking of himself. And so he is everything to which the covenant uh, pointed. So there is both continuity and discontinuity. No longer is the covenant wrapped around a temple. No longer it is wrapped around, uh, you know, kind of the temple in Torah, as it were, um, even though the scriptures were, are still valid and we need to read them. That's why I teach the Old Testament. But now it is culminated and climaxed and finalized in Jesus of Nazareth, and he now is the embodiment of the covenant. Everything wraps around him. He is the one... Uh, with whom we form that final and ultimate relationship. And then as the church, he is the head, we are the body, and now we are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. We are the temple, and we are the evidence of the covenant, the new covenant, all to which is being pointed over all these years. But it's not over. Exactly. Exactly. We're still carrying on. We are still the people of the covenant. So the, yes, there is a discontinuity from w- the way things were done in the old old days, the old covenant, the old covenants, but old covenant, into the new reality wrapped in Jesus, and we're still moving forward with Jesus because it's called the gospel. It's called the mission of the church. It's called people welcoming into this relationship of a new covenant.
0: So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking the plural and the singular. We've mm-hmm. got these covenants, but then— your diagram unifies yes, them. exactly. Is, what language do we use to describe that? Is there... Both
1: end. Okay. So. <laughs> it's a covenant with a slash S at the end of it. Yeah. But uh, but no, it, we so often... The, and again, the diagram, and some of us are a little more further down the road than others on this, but so often we draw the diagram as a series or sequence of covenants that are not really related to each other. Right. And... Um, uh, There's been some really good writing on this that has helped us understand that while it's multiple covenants, it is, in fact, a single relationship that is building over time, but then climax, culminated, fulfilled in in Jesus. And that's why Jesus at the communion, why we say at the communion service, and when he talked about it at the Last Supper, he said, this is my covenant in my blood. And it all shifted away from these... Covenant statements, David, Moses, whatever, into him as a person. So, is this new covenant
0: part of those um, rooftops, or yeah. is it an entirely different? No, roof, I or? I would
1: argue that it's it is in fact the culmination. So, I would see the rooftops, but then I would see a real big one, kind of encircling the whole thing, and in every one of those covenants we actually see whispers of the Jesus which is yet to come, Mm -hmm. even in the Mosaic Covenant, Mm -hmm. because we say, well, it's all a bunch of laws. Well, no, it is, but every one of those laws reflect the character of God and Christ and something that we as his people need to embrace. They are not simply arbitrary laws uh, that are irrelevant to us today. The form has been fulfilled in Christ, but every one of those laws has a moral ethical, spiritual, some kind of sense that is still captured in Jesus that we need to look at to learn about how we need to live for Christ in the New Covenant. Okay, so if Jesus
0: is the culmination, um, the, the big mm-hmm. uh, rooftop, how are we to think about his second coming? Uh, is, is that another
1: rooftop, or how, how do we think about that? It's, it is the final manifest. We're still in a now, but not yet. So yeah, it has happened now, but we're still waiting for its ultimate final completion. So this final rooftop is being built. It's being built. Yes, that's a good way of saying it. I, I, that's a really good way. There's a few holes in it along the way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not holes in the terms of its ability to do what it needs to do, but in terms of its final ultimate uh, completion mm-hmm. and construction, yeah, it's still there's still a shingles, few shingles that need to go on it. Okay. You don't have the mind of God, I know, but what was he thinking, if you can
0: imagine? Why do it this way? I mm. mean, it's, it's it's a long time for these roofs to be established and a uh, slow process. I mean, is there um, a point that is being made there, a theology that is being rolled out, or why do it that
1: way? Oh, my goodness. I. I have I'm no kind of idea. Honestly asking. <laughs> <laughs> and I am kind of honestly responding by saying, ah, uh, as you know, in terms of the original relationship with Adam and Eve, that was the intent for creation for all time, right? No. Mm-hmm. It didn't now sin didn't catch God by surprise. It's not plan B. He's mm-hmm. he's very much sovereign and very aware of what, what was happening and in, in, in terms of his sovereign plan for how all things was to roll out. But at the same time, when you think about the various covenants mm-hmm. or parts to the covenant, um, you get some promises that are beautiful, say in the Noahic covenant. Uh, you got the Abrahamic covenant that talks about seed and land and blessing, and there's a day coming when all of that will be ultimately fulfilled and captured in Jesus you got the Mosaic covenant, which I've already talked about. I mean, there's values in those 613 laws that point us to God mm-hmm. and to Jesus. Uh, you got the Davidic covenant, which promises the mess- messianic mm-hmm. son of David. And then the new covenant, which jumps us straight into Jesus after Jeremiah's prophecy. Um, so you can explain each one as we go, but you've asked the question why the whole thing in the first place? That's an unfair question. I've- I can wait until next week. <laughs> <laughs> or until Christ's return <laughs> mm-hmm. before we figure all that out. Do you um,
0: imagine what it would have been like for a righteous man, righteous by faith, Abraham, so on and so forth, to know God, to be right with God, mm. to have the peace of God mm. uh, in the Old Testament? Uh, what, how,
1: would that have been much different than our experience today? Uh it would be, but not a lot, not uh, probably less than we think. Um, so yeah, there was let's say let's say Abraham, for example. Um, he was before the law. Um, it says that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He was justified. Now I personally believe, a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but I personally believe that at that moment he he was imparted the indwelling presence of the Spirit. And in the same way, you and I have that indwelling presence of the Spirit, which affects our conscience, which affects our confidence in God, which affects our sense of security, uh, even...
0: Well, so it's the only way that we know that we can be justified. is the work of the Spirit. Exactly. So how can, how can anyone disagree well, with you when you speak well, a lot about... Of
1: people, a lot of people think that the indwelling Spirit came at Pentecost. So they look at Pentecost and they say that was the coming of the indwelling spirit. Right. So Abraham got right
0: with God. Everything that the spirit does post-Pentecost, somehow God
1: did without the spirit in Abraham's life before. That's exactly my point and point of argument. But I have many friends who disagree with me on that because they believe that was the indwelling spirit that came at Pentecost. But my argument is how on earth... But yeah. Abraham and David and isaiah and and Moses experience how could they write the psalms that they do about the joy of forgiveness i'm right. writing i'm writing a, a paper on psalm thirty two right mm-hmm. now. How did they know that joy of forgiveness? you right. forgave the not just you forgave my sin, you forgave the guilt of my sin mm-hmm. wow, that's an old testament statement. How did that happen? so I would argue that Sure, there were elements of their their journey of faith that were different than ours, especially when they got into the Old Testament law and the sacrificial system and that kind of thing. But the pious person in the Old Testament lived very, very similar to the way we live today. So what would you
0: say, if any, is the main difference between living this side of uh, the cross and... Pentecost. Pentecost and...
1: Why is it better now? Because the Spirit that came at Pentecost was an empowering Spirit for all believers. That didn't happen in the Old Testament? No, that was selective. Spirit came and went and empowered people for certain tasks at certain times. But it
0: would have come, the Holy Spirit would have come to regenerate the Old Testament saint, but right. not necessarily to.
1: To empower them for special mission and purpose. So, for example, you got the spirit coming on the judges. You got the spirit coming on a king, or a prophet, or a priest, and leaving, and leaving. Yeah, David could experience that, and he watching the spirit leave Saul, right? So it was temporary. It was selective for mission for the mission of the for, of the mission of the of the of the nation, mission of whatever God was up to at that point. But what happened at Pentecost? Since in the Old Testament everything spun inwards to the temple, in the New Testament everything spins outward mm-hmm. from the temple to mm-hmm. the Acts 1 eight, right? So what happened at Pentecost is that empowering spirit, that ba- baptizing work of the Spirit, that's an empowerment word. That baptizing work of the Spirit has now come upon all believers. all flesh all flesh. and we are all empowered by the Spirit, the Pentecostal spirit to engage in the mission of Christ as we spin outwards mm-hmm. to go into the far corners of the universe of, of, the, of the world. With proclaiming the good news of the gospel. Um, And so, yeah, it is significantly different. Like Um, the
0: song, Kings and Priests Made Us. Yeah. Thou art worthy, O Lord.
1: Yeah, you've made us kings and priests, and we all have, we've all been baptized into the body of Christ. That's not just a positional issue, that's an empowerment issue. And I think that's a really important thing. So, every believer has that. Spirit that came and went in the Old Testament mm-hmm. temporarily and selectively, every one of us has that today.
0: So when we're baptized, did you say into Christ?
1: 1 Corinthians
0: twelve thirteen, 13, right? Okay, so um, the Old Testament saint wouldn't have had that experience, would no,
1: he? No, no. Not in the sense of being baptized for or not for being empowered for mission.
0: Right, but he was regenerated by the Spirit, but... He wouldn't have been baptized into Christ. That's, that's a unique exactly. post Pentecostic experience, whatever that totally means. Exactly. Wow. Well, Dave, uh, we've introduced a subject that we're not going to conclude very well right now. We are out of time. Uh, people need to take your course at Heritage. Uh, or come here or wherever you are. I know you you teach uh, in, in a number of our churches, and it just would be so good if our people love the Old Testament. Uh, you do work in Psalms. Um, it's not something to be uh, jettisoned or unhitched. It's a blessing for the church. So thanks for being with us, Dave. Uh, we're out of time, so until next time, I'm Bob McGregor with Dave Barker, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <music>